Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Today, we have seen just a great example, a picture of God's great love with the White family. And and just to see Covey here and just to see after four and a half years of what God has done, it just... It does bring us to tears the mighty way he has battled for your son, John and Stephanie, and your brother, uh, Macy Chapel. God, what a, what a great king we have, and what a great Lord that he has done this work. And so, and, and all of that, this, this beautiful adoption on Adoption Sunday is a picture, again, of our spiritual adoption. And today we're going to see, just as a result of our spiritual adoption, how do we respond in this world? And how do we relate to those around us in the world and, and, and according to God's word and his calling? So today as we begin, we're going to go to James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. We're going to be in verse 27, but important to have the context because we're going to look throughout uh, James 1 for just a moment to kind of dive in and see what this passage is all about. And so uh, as we come today, Adoption Sunday, I want to remind you that this is God's holy word. We give him praise. James 1.27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this, this letter to the Jewish people who were dispersed in a time of persecution throughout uh, that Greco world, Roman world. And there James is talking. He's obviously had a huge conversion in his life. Earlier in his life, we know the brothers of Jesus doubted Jesus. And now he is sort of fully devoted to Jesus. And he's proclaiming this incredible little letter that teaches us about how to live well as Christ followers. And we see here uh, just a couple things I want you to know. It's verse 4. He says, And let steadfastness have in f- its, its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. Notice this, lacking in nothing. You see, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you know Christ is your Savior, You lack no good thing. You might think you do, but the gospel says to us, we have exactly all we need in Christ. And we're going to find out today that we are actually heirs. Spiritually, we have assured to us the promises of God that everything that he has, he will give to us. This is the king of the universe who rules over all. Christian, you lack no good thing if you are a follower of him. Do you believe that today? Are we? Is that the thing, the very thing that's kind of moving us and motivating us in our lives? And then you go down to um, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And we need those in those days, these days, right? Regardless of your response in the elections, we need this today, right? 
We need this in our country. We need this in the church, that people respond in a way that is not according to our human reaction, which would be very easy for us all to respond in a, in a way that's human. It's in the flesh. But God has called us to be directed by him. And then he goes on. Verse 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is James' constant repetition because he said, look, you know, you can hear the word. Are you doing it? Are you living it? And of course, this is the hard thing because no one perfectly does, <laughs> keeps the word except for Jesus, the perfect son. But we more and more as the body of Christ are called to do and keep and live out the word of God, to be doers of his word. And then verse 23 and 24, he goes, like, you wouldn't look into a mirror, right? And forget about, you know, because you forgot what you looked like. No, you, you know what you look like. But the person, the person who is not doing God's work, who's not living differently, it's like that person, and that's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> that you would have to look in the mirror and say, oh, that's John, hey, good morning. No, I, you, you, I know what I look like. You know what you look like. You don't have to look again and again. You, we have the perfect law that gives freedom, the word of God. We have the thing that we, as we look into this, it's gonna set us free to live in a new way, to live out, not just in our own works or efforts, but in, in through God's power and strength. And so then it comes near to our passage, verse 26, there's a contrast of what religion is. You know, when you hear the word religion, what do you think of? I think of, mm, bad, right? Because <laughs> it normally is, you know, you talk about religion, and it's just man trying to do stuff rather than God's works. But here, James in verse 26 says there's a religion of, yeah, your own works where you don't keep your, your control of your mouth and your words, but it's contrasted today with our passage. And that's where we want to get and dive into in verse 27, a religion. And what does a religion that honors God do? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right? And then chapter 2, verse 1, which is, by the way, it, it wasn't until the 1500s the chapters and verses were added to the Bible. So this is just one run-on sentence. It's a letter. Chapter 2, verse 1 goes on to say that, that basically that it is by faith in Christ that we, we place ourselves in, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And, and so here James is saying that's what true religion is. It's, put, it's not your own works. It's not by your own works. It's by faith looking to Jesus Christ that is that pure religion, but it's not a faith that is without works. And so today we're going to zoom in on that first part of what, what James says in verse 27, true religion is, in that, in that we care for orphans and widows in their distress. So, so don't forget, church, don't forget. It. What is pure religion? 
Pure religion, first of all, is receiving God's rescuing love. Right? Now, if you're a Christ follower, how many times have you heard that in your life? You know that you've heard that again and again. But are your actions showing and demonstrating that you are remembering that? Are we really believing this? Yeah, it's a great statement. Every Christian probably would affirm pure religion receives God's rescuing love. But all of us who are Christ followers here today and online need to live differently because of Christ. The context of James is, and when he talks about widows and orphans, there was no social welfare in place. People were without rights. They were powerless and without status. And in the Old Testament throughout it, like in Jeremiah 7, verses 5 through 7, God says that we are to care for the most vulnerable. They are the ones he puts a premium on. Even though society and we ourselves might not in ourselves care about the sojourner, the widow, the orphan, the powerless. Why would we? Because we're going to just care about ourselves and people that can help us. Right? But in the, throughout the Bible, beginning in the Old Testament, over and over again, God's word teaches us this is what pure religion is. And then we come to the New Testament and we see that God's compassion is poured out, not just for the widow and orphan. It is, here James 1.27 reiterates all that's going on in the Old Testament, right? Care for the most vulnerable. Care for them. But what he says, what he says, and if we get this, this will change our life, but we need to get this. We are the most vulnerable. We spiritually are impoverished without Christ. We have no power on our own. We have no capability, and we ourselves, every one of us, need to realize it because that is the place where we begin to say, God, I desperately need you and your rescuing love, not just to get me to heaven, but to teach me to live well today. And so here, here uh, in he, throughout the New Testament, we see this doctrine of a spiritual adoption that's taught, right? Ephesians chapter 1 teaches us about that spiritual adoption. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. There Paul, he talks about that we need the Holy Spirit to testify to our spirit that we are his children. And then Galatians 4, 6, and 7 goes on to re reassure us, we sang it earlier, that we have everything we need in Christ. We're full heirs. We've got it all. It's not about what's in your bank account, what you've got, what you, can, what, what you have made, what you have done. If you are in Jesus, if you have his life, if you are adopted by God's love, you are what James 1, verse 4 says, you are lacking in nothing. But do you believe that? Do you remember that? I mean, it's hard because it's so easy. It's so easy to, to just go away from a church service and forget and to live the way that we, you know, really kind of 
in, in our own natural ways. So what is pure religion? Pure religion is receiving God's rescuing love. The word pure here means clean or free from any corrupt desire. Undefiled is, in James 1.27, is talking about not being soiled by sin. And again, all of us, none of us, none of us are clean or free completely of corrupt desires. None of us are not soiled by sin. There is one who came. You know his name. Jesus, right? He's the one we look to. He's the perfect God-man. He's the one who has kept every law. He's the one that we constantly have to say, God, help me change my heart, change my attitude, change my words, change my actions. Help me to see and look by faith to Jesus and him alone. That's what pure religion is and does. So what is pure religion? It's really resting in God's love for you. It's in who you are in Christ. It's in your true identity, which we sang about this morning. But secondly, what is pure religion? Pure religion demonstrates compassion to the orphans and the widows. Look at 127 again. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God The Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. James uses an interesting word here when he talks about the care of orphans and widows. It's this word to visit. And the word visit means to care for, look after, or go see. And what God is saying here, church, is this, that God cares the most for the most vulnerable. That's who he cares for, and he wants us to care the most for the most vulnerable. <laughs> he, he cares. He, the same word is used here in Matthew 25 by Jesus to describe what works he considers vital. In Matthew 25, 36, Jesus says this, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now, Jesus says if you provide clothes for the needy, if you care for the sick, if you visit those in prison, if you care for the orphans and visit the orphans and widows in their distress, it's the same, underline that church in your mind, it's the same, it's equal to you are visiting with me. Jesus is saying this is true religion. Do you believe that? And so, you know, we constantly need to be reminded of this, that that's what God cares for. He cares for the vulnerable, and he wants us to care and value the most vulnerable. Um, you know, years ago, uh, my mom hosted a party. It was a, uh, I think it was a baby shower for some ladies in our neighborhood and some others, and one brought a friend, and it happened to be Olivia Newton-John. Okay, so she came into my home, and, and I wasn't there. But so we got little, do a little grease. Grease is the word. What is that? How does it go? But uh, she, she was, a, if for some of you younger guys, look her up, Google her. She, she was real pretty at the time and had blonde hair. It could sing pretty well. And, and so as I think about, about that, that event, and I think about 
Wow, that, I don't remember one other lady who came to that baby shower. <laughs> I only remember Olivia Newton-John 35 years later, but I remember. Why? Here's the problem. For me, for you, we care about the famous, the rich, the good-looking, the attractive, the talented. God cares for the powerless, the vulnerable, those who cannot help themselves. Do we have a problem? See, the culture, we are constantly going through a, a battle in our minds to care for what the heart of God really cares for most. And so God is teaching us and training us in our lives. Do you, if you have widows and orphans in your homes or, if, or at the baby shower, so to speak, you have the most valued guests. Do we value what God values? Do we value the most vulnerable? God's words goes on in verse 27 to say, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Affliction means trials and pressures that make it hard to cope with life. John and Stephanie, were there any trials or pressures in adoption? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so over and over again, when people step into caring for the orphan and the widow, there are struggles. It's not easy. So how do we do this? How do we get motivated to care? And we have to remember this, that again, each one of us are spiritual orphans without Christ. We have this great God who has rescued us and brought us into from our sin and from the penalty of death and has brought us into his family. We become co-heirs with Jesus, gang. We've been talking about this, right? Do you get this? Is it warming your heart? God has been utterly generous to you even when you are an enemy of Christ. He pursued you, loved you, adopted you. This is what should change our hearts and the ways that we respond. This is what will cause us to care for the orphan and the widow. You know, why, I often ask myself, why God, why would you choose me? And it all comes down to this, that old hymn, Oh, what wondrous love is this. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Oh, what wondrous love is this. You see, today, if you've never received that love, and maybe you're here today, you've heard about the love, and you, you've, you maybe grew up in a family of Christians, and the Holy Spirit is even nudging you today, that is a call for you to come and step by faith and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Will you do so? Please, please talk to someone about that, whether you're here in person or you're online. But if you do know Jesus and his beautiful, wondrous love, is your heart warmed by his word and his good news and what he's done for you? Somebody's saying, maybe not. 
Others of you, yeah, I am. We're inviting, Lord, please take your word, take your gospel, begin to change our hearts. To, to have a sense of wonder and awe about your love, to satisfy us in your rescuing love. So the first thing we need to do right now is not to do one more thing. It's not just, if you've not done this, to go out and adopt a child or foster a child. That's hard work. That takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of leading, and, and, and we'd love to see more of that happen, right? Like when you heard the McKnight story, may there be a person or family in this church right now that will catch that vision. That would be so beautiful. But look, we're all in this together. It's not just the whites who are called to care for the foster kids and adopt. We're all called to care for the orphan and widow. What's your part? How do you join in with this? In, in loving the most vulnerable. And so, so we just, today is in closing, I wanna just give you just a couple ways that uh, we're doing this at the Vine and we'd love to invite you to, to pray and consider being a part of this team to care for orphans and widows in their distress. It's called Hope Tree and that's the way that we care for the orphans. And it's right now, uh, we're grateful that Dylan and Ansley Taylor are stepping into leadership of Hope Tree. They're a young couple, they both work full time, they're super busy, but God has called them to lead Hope Tree and they need people to come alongside them. They need that support. Um, and they do four things. Hope Tree, first of all, provides money for families to adopt and to support these families. Um, did you know that uh, the average uh, adoption in America is $30,000 plus? I remember when Lizanne and I adopted, if it weren't for the help of others, I mean, we would have gone in major debt. And, um, and, and I'm thankful for, for that ministry of Hope Tree and the way we're able to help. But secondly, to provide practical support to families who foster. And this is kind of near and dear to my, Lizanne and I, our hearts right now, because our daughter, Christy, and her husband, Brad, they have two biological kids. They are now fostering the last month and a half an 18-month-old boy. And uh, it's not an easy situation. I mean, he's, he's, he's a sweet little kid, but there are times where it's really hard for them. And I could go into the details. I'm not going to go there. But if you're, I'm telling you, they need support. They need help. And I'm grateful they are a part of a new church that is helping them. But friends, Dylan and Ansley Taylor are soon going to foster a child, maybe more. We'll have other people do that as well in this, in this church or adopt. We need to come alongside of them and help them, whether it's prayer or meals or giving them two hours to go. Um, Ansley said that when they, when they first adopt their child, it'll be a school-aged child, and they need some help for someone to come stay in the home with a child for a couple hours while they go to work. And, and there's just many ways that we can be a part of this. Prayer certainly is not least of these things. But we need to provide practical support to families who foster, and it's such a privilege to do that. And then support, thirdly, the children's, Hope Tree supports the children's home, 
of Light Orphanage in Kenya. Um, Libby and Devin Dixon, who are part of the board at Children's Home of Light, were here in the first service, and they just told me a cool story. I'm going to tell it really fast is this. Libby was there um, several months ago, and they went, <laughs> Devin and Libby went for, their, instead of going on vacation, they went for their 35th anniversary to go help kids who are in an orphanage to care for them, to love them well. Isn't that cool? I've got a great fish. That's a, I mean, that's a selfless servant. It's beautiful. Uh, but uh, so they go off their, their 35th and they get there. And while they're there, uh, Libby, they, they literally, they come and uh, they're trying to feed the kids and they find these, Libby finds these three rotten cabbages in the pantry. And that's what they have to feed those, those babies and children there, about 30 to 35 kids. <laughs> Libby and the, the leader of the Children's Home of Light, Mama Sue, they called her, got down on their knees and prayed, Lord, would you provide? Two hours later, a lady pulls up with a truck full of food, says, We've been, I've been driving around all over for eight hours throughout Nairobi trying to find you. I finally found you. This food was for you. She said, it was enough food for two months for those kids. God supplies. He's so good. He's so great. He will care for, he has a heart for these kids and the most vulnerable in our society. But the fourth way we can be a part, Hope Tree serves the most vulnerable, is to support pest reliefs built out of a boy's home on our property. When Lizanne and I, when we first were called to come over and start the vine about 18 years ago, we've had a vision several years before that of building a boy's home on whatever property we had. We didn't have this property at this time. But we had this vision, Lord, we'd love to see that. We have a heart for this. Would you do this? Well, when several years ago, um, we became friends with a member here and her husband, Andrea and Jeff Hancock, and she started, she had a heart for the, for the, for a foster home built on a church property. She started a nonprofit called Pest Relief that is going to the pest companies throughout North America trying to raise funds for a boy's home they plan to build on our property. Isn't that a cool story? And, and that boy's home is gonna be for boys that our county has said the need is for boys eight to 12, and about and it's gonna house about 10 of those or kids or so, those boys, and there'll be house parents there. But even cooler than that, we get to be the community, the arms and hands of Christ to love those boys. Can you imagine just being in this culture that we can have this opportunity to, to serve and be near that home and be those, near those kids? Will there be problems? Will there be distress and affliction? The answer is yes but we get to be a part of this body of Christ who loves the most vulnerable in our midst. So I just wanna say what a privilege it is, church, to, for us to know that we've got it all 
There's nothing we lack because for those of us who are in Jesus, we are fully in the family of God and we're heirs. We're rich, filthy rich because of Jesus. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, how does he want us to spend that beautiful spiritual equity that he has so lavished upon us? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Adoption Sunday. I pray right now you'd be touching hearts even to foster and adopt children. People that never thought of it, and they, you're, you're nudging them right now. And I pray there's a couple here right now in this place that they'll have conversations this afternoon about this. Lord, we pray for all of us as we come to communion that we want to say, Lord, help us to turn from our sin that a lot of times just keeps us focused on ourselves or our own. Help us, we pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.